What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode 96. I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. I'm your other co-host, Mason Austin. And today, we're going to talk about more big boys here. We're going to talk about interior defensive linemen. And so, last year, just so that y'all know this, last year, we kind of just put defensive linemen and edge rushers together. That's not what that's not what we're doing this year. And so this year we're going to separate edge rushers. And so that's outside linebackers, defensive ends, guys who mostly play on the outsides from interior linemen. And so everyone on this list are guys who mostly play on the interior of their defensive line. Like sometimes, you know, they might line up on the outside and maybe they're a three, four D end or something like that. But for the most part, they do operate inside here and so we got defensive tackles on board for our top five class of 2022 colorado um defense defensive tackles so there you go there but without further ado uh mason do you want to go ahead and get this started and talk about our number five guy in the state of colorado oh yeah definitely um, i'm gonna go ahead and start talking with our number five guy uh, he's 6'3", 280 pounds out of Columbine High School. His name is Trace Williams Mitchell. Um, I just want to say this guy, you know, yeah, he's 6'3", 280, but he is he's definitely a dog with his power being unmatched. Um, he has a great awareness in the field. You know, his frame and size, you know, 6'3", 280, that's a good size for an interior lineman. Um, his play recognition, I think, is one of my favorite things to watch for this guy. If the run is coming up the middle, he's able to just you know, take it out, to, you know, depict it, make the move, get across the face of the defender. Uh, his run stopping is definitely good. And I would say power rush wise is probably where he is the best in the pass rush game. Like coming up the middle, he can power rush like nobody's business. Um I feel like this guy had definitely has like a great, you know, head on his shoulders when it comes to, you know, his power rushing skills and what he looks at. And he definitely watches film. I can see his IQ definitely being up there with how he can recognize a play, depict it and take care of it. Um, do you agree with that, Simon? Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd have to definitely agree with that. I think Trace Williams Mitchell was a big part of this Columbine defense the last couple of years, you know. Um, Columbine has always had a good defense and, you know, that defense usually stems or starts with, you know, your, um, interior lineman with the trenches, right? So that's how important the defensive line is to, uh, really any defense, you know, especially this Columbine one and, you know, Trace Williams Mitchell out here, he was just able to really control, you know, that center of the line and whatnot. And a lot of those guards, you know, of opposing teams and, you know, really get them to go where he wants so that, you know, linebackers could go ahead and fill up those gaps and make a play, you know. And so he was definitely a big part of that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and actually talk about some areas of improvement here, if you don't mind, Mason. No, go right ahead. So, look, I mean, he has great size. He's 6'3", 280. You know, he has great power here. Or, okay, he has really good power here, I should say. You know, but I think definitely his biggest issue is that uh, he's, he's a little bit slower, you know, agility-wise and speed-wise. Obviously, you don't have to run a 4-4 to play D-tackle. But, you know, you got to be pretty agile uh, in between the tackles and the hash marks and all that to go ahead and make plays. And I think comparatively to everyone else on this list, he's definitely the slowest guy here. I think because he's so strong, he is able to kind of get away with a lot because he could just manhandle guards and like kind of force the flow of the play to go the opposite direction and allow somebody else to make the play here. But there are also mostly in the past game, uh, there are also times where, you know, he's just too slow to, uh, you know, kind of make a huge impact here, especially getting after the quarterback. I'm definitely most concerned about his pass rushing moves now you know at defensive tackle 
I, I wouldn't say it's extremely important to be a great pass rusher, but if you want to play on the next level, you have to be good at a lot of different things. And I think that's where he's lacking the most here. Uh, he does have some moves, you know, here or there, um, but it's it's not, first off, it's not like the biggest variety anyways. He has maybe one or two. Uh, I think I saw a swim and a rip. I think that's it. You know, and then there's a couple power moves thrown in there where he's just controlling the interior lineman or the blocker in front of him. But other than that, you know, nothing too crazy there. And even then, you know, I think he has very powerful hands. I think that's a big part of his game. But uh, his hand speed is definitely a little slow. You know, I think on the next level, there are some guys that could give him a little bit more trouble. And, you know, when you have a defensive tackle that's just straight up neutralized on every pass play, then... You know, that kind of limits how much playing time they could get. And, you know, maybe it kind of just means that they're more of a nose tackle, like throw them in there in goal line situations and against the run. But then you have to immediately take them out or, you know, they're just not as effective against spread, you know, type of teams or pass first type of teams. And obviously in this day and age of football where you got pass it all the time. You just can't have that. You can't have players that you need to take out in passing situations because um, they're not as strong in that ability. And so if I'm Trace Williams Mitchell here, I would definitely focus first off on, you know, improving that hand speed. I think that is definitely something that he could realistically work on this offseason and kind of get the get get to the point where, you know, he could hand fight with the best of them. And then, you know, just working on that agility, man, like that sideline to sideline um, hash mark to hash mark, I should probably say, type of agility speed. You know, you don't have to run a 4-4, like I said, but you got to be able to close gaps quickly and, you know, be able to be a threat and collapse that pocket a little bit quicker there. Um, Mason, is there anything else you want to add on to that? Uh, like I said, I think he's a fantastic, like, defensive tackle against the run, but his biggest weakness is definitely in the pass game. No, I 100% agree. I think that if he could get a couple more pass rush moves in the bag, he would definitely be able to, you know, up his game to that next level. And I feel like if he was just that much better on, like, pass rushing, he could probably make it a little bit higher on this list. Because, um, you know, he definitely has got the intangibles, he's got the size, and he's definitely, you know, a solid pass rusher on this 5A level. And, you know, and he's not someone to be, you know, thought of as weak or anything like that so i definitely agree uh do you want to go ahead and talk outlook for him yeah no for sure and you know even though we were pretty critical of him the bottom line is that he's still a pretty big body you know and if you're a college team you can never run out of big bodies honestly the more the better you know the more guys you could kind of throw into that rotation the better and for trace williams here he really is a kind of finding that groove and you know he's at this point, like his game's to the point where he could fit in a lot of different systems just as a run, you know, a run stopper. And I just want to throw this out there. He does have a 3.7 GPA, was all-conference, all-state. Uh, most recently played in the Blue-Gray All-American game, so congrats to him. But he had, does have a couple offers here. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the most recent ones. There were two, a couple D2s. So... When are we recording this? Well, we're literally recording this on December 30th, so the day before this episode drops. But basically, on December 2nd, he, he got three D2 offers, actually. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah, four, sorry, D2 offers here from some pretty good programs, you know. Uh, University of Sioux Falls, they offered him. Um, Missouri Western State, they offered him. I'm pretty sure they have some of the best facilities in D2. They're renowned for that. Um, CSU Pueblo, they offered him. Fort Hayes University, uh, our boy Kale Cormani, he played quarterback and safety for Rampart last year. He's over there and he loves it there. Um, but they offered him on December 2nd as well. So he has a slew of D2 offers right now. He does have one D1 offer, at least that I can see, from Air Force. He got that on November 17th. I also believe Air Force just won their first bowl game. So um, there you go. And so he, he has a good amount of offers. He has one, at least according to his Twitter, he has one, you know, excuse me, he has one D1 offer and then a couple, you know, D2 offers to some pretty good quality programs that have very strong cultures and, 
Uh, definitely invest a lot of money into the football programs too. But as of right now, has not committed just yet. Now, Mason, I want to ask what you think about these offers and, you know, what kind of what level, what kind of level of a player is Trace Williams here in your opinion? And, you know, what's his outlook moving forward? Yeah, so for me, I think that his, you know, level of out like level of competition that he's going to be striving in is the Division two level as of right now. Um, but I think he could make it on the D1, but he'd be competing every year, you know, with every prospect that gets brought in, he'd be competing for his job, but I think he could get it done. And, you know, and I think that, you know, from what I've heard and everything, he has a pretty decent drive going for him. So I'm definitely going to, you know, strive towards if he wanted to take a D1 offer, if he has one, you know, you know, he can make it work. But I think the best bet for him would be taking a D2 offer or maybe, you know, like Juco is not a terrible thing to do. You know, I like the idea of Juco going to Juco, going into the transfer portal and coming over. Um, I see daily all over Twitter, all the coaches saying there's so many players in the transfer portal. You know, it's very easy to go Juco and then D1. Um, and if he is like dead set, he wants to be D1, I say take a Juco offer. But if he, you know, is cool with playing and just, you know, you know, getting school either help paid for, paid for and just wants to play ball, you know, he's going to strive at that D2 level. Do you agree with that, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. I think I think he could play D1. I think Air Force is kind of right up his alley. Air Force, like more, I would say maybe Mountain West FCS type of schools would be kind of up his alley. I could see him as somebody who could, you know, get some playing time uh, relatively quickly, maybe after their uh, redshirt year or in their second year, you know, depending on what's going on at the program. Um, but he would probably be maybe more of a rotational guy, and that's okay. I mean, I mean, you know, you're not putting your body on the line out there for a whole game and whatnot, but you're still making an impact and being a part of a team. That's always a good thing, you know, but I could definitely see him more as a rotational type of guy, like a consistent rotational type of guy uh, on a lot of D1 teams. On the D2 level, I think he would be the guy on a lot of these teams. Like, I think... I mean, I'm looking at Sioux Falls, Missouri Western, CSU Pueblo, even Fort Hayes State. Like, those are competitive D2 teams. Like, they're almost always in the conversation for, you know, being the national champs and whatnot. Now, they definitely invest a lot into their football programs. And so, you know, if I'm Trace here, I would definitely take visits to those D2s, you know, because, I mean, no offense to Air Force, but uh, some of these D2s might have better programs and facilities than some of these D1s. You know, and you got to think about quality of life. Um, I mean, I guess you don't always do college once, but being a uh, not a pro athlete, but being a college athlete, you know, on the next level, you want to be treated right. You know, you want to uh, feel like you're wanted there and whatnot. And I feel like at those D2s, he would be the guy out there and probably get playing time pretty quickly and not be as much of a rotational guy as like the main dude out there. And there are ways to the NFL from the D2 level. I know there are a couple of D2 linemen, actually. Um, I know there's one from CSU Preble. I think it's Ryan Jensen. Could be mistaken. But he um, he played in the Super Bowl last year, you know. And so there are ways going, you know, to the NFL from there as well. So I would just make sure to, you know, really, really look at your offers because he has some good ones. You know, Missouri Western, Sioux Falls, like – those are some good schools, man. Like, if they're giving you as much money as they possibly, or as much money as they're willing to give a defensive lineman, like, that's that's a pretty good quality of life. for A's as well, you know, that's another good one. They, they go all out for their football program. And so I think that's kind of the range he's at right now. If he does want to go to, uh, you know, an FBS type of school, I think Juco would help him out a lot just giving him more time to work on those pass rush moves. But, you know, he has some good offers right now. You know, he might still be getting offers here soon. Like I said, those his most recent offers were from about a month ago. And so, you know, as signing day approaches, you could see maybe some schools deciding to pull the trigger as more and more players uh, verbally commit. So we'll just have to see about that. But, uh, Mason, is there anything else you want to add on before we move on? 
No, um, I think I'm good. I, I do want to say before we get too far into this episode that if any of these guys wanted to come on and like talk about our film breakdown or have any questions or anything, they can definitely, you know, set up an interview with us. Just, you know, hit up, hit us up on the socials. Boom. There you go. This is your automatic. Uh, I mean, if you make this list, this is your automatic offer to come on to the show. So there you go. But um, I think that's it. But yeah, Trace Williams Mitchell, I mean, big part of that column by defense you know, he's going to be valuable to a lot of college football programs for sure. But with that being said, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back to our number four guy on this list. How's it going, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. You are listening to the top five interior defensive linemen. I'm going to go ahead and talk about our number four guy out of Regis Jesuit High School, Jaden Franklin, 6'1", 310 pounds. And I want to start by talking about just that pure, you know, size. The 310 pounds is huge for a guy on any level for a defensive lineman, especially the interior guys. Um, I think he honestly, you know, he's definitely has like that Vince Wilfork-esque type of manner to him you know he's decently fast for his size uh, but he uses his size to his advantage I think you know one of my favorite things that I saw in his film was when he was like there's a play where he gets blocked by two or three guys and he uses his size to kind of leverage himself through the line and it, it was it was just a pure athletic play and you don't see that at that big of a guy very often especially on the defensive line um he he reads the plays extremely well for a defensive lineman like you know coming off the line he distinguishes if it's a pass or a run like instantly off the line the second that he makes his decision he commits and you know even if he makes a mistake here or there I'd rather someone commit 100% than not commit at all um I think you know honestly his IQ is a huge statement for this guy his like you know his football IQ is up there just by the way he can dominate at this like at the line and you know his size helps but his iq is where i see him you know best fit for it uh do you agree with that simon yeah no absolutely i think uh Jaden franklin one of the biggest parts of his game is that he's just so smart like there are definitely times where you could see that he diagnoses plays um you know as they're happening and whatnot he's not gonna get fooled a whole lot He's just a very solid defensive tackle that you like to have in the interior because, I mean, he knows what he's doing, right? Like he's not going to get, <laughs> he's not going to get, you know, misdirected so easily. So, so yeah, but uh, uh, Mason, you mind if I talk about some things about Jaden Franklin here before I talk about areas of improvements? No, go right ahead. Bet. So uh, honestly, Jaden Franklin, I think his game is very similar to Trace Williams Mitchell. But I would give him the edge because I think he is definitely a bit more powerful and stronger than Trace here. And I think part of that as well is because he's able to get leverage, you know, get his hands on those blockers just a lot more consistently and in better spots than Trace, you know. And that kind of just allows him to manhandle blockers. And he does that a lot, you know. And even when he doesn't, you know, what? even when it's, like, him getting double-teamed, like, he'll take on the double-team, and because he's so strong and because he knows where to place his hands, like, I mean, he'll he'll hold the double-team and push them back even then. And so he's just a very powerful, you know, just a very powerful football player, period. Um, throw in, you know, his IQ so he knows where he's going, knows where he wants to go, and he just allows, you know, um, the players around him to make a lot of big plays, you know. If he's not making them, then somebody else on that Regis Jesuit defense is going to make it happen, you know. But, you know, I think a lot of the credit does go to Jaden Franklin because he did do a lot of the, honestly, in my opinion, a lot of the dirty work for Regis Jesuit when you look at the film. You know, you see him redirecting guys and just completely shutting down lanes, and it's all on purpose, um, as a pass rusher, I do give him a little bit of, uh, you know, of an edge over Trace here just because, I, I mean, you know, he's a little bit more powerful. And I think he moves just a little bit faster than Trace here. And so he so Jaden actually, in my opinion, moves and collapses the pocket a little bit faster and gets quarterbacks kind of panicking up in there. And so that's what I like a lot. That's definitely one of the things that really separates him 
from Trace here. But um, with that being said, let me talk about some areas of improvements because I also think that they have very similar, like, I guess, concerns or areas of improvement in, in their game, honestly. And I think I think with Jaden here, you know, he... He's, he's just not the fastest or most agile guy. And, you know, when he goes up against teams that, like, have more of a zone blocking scheme or more of a scheme where linemen are moving in directions and there's a lot of pulling and stuff and, um, you know, the flow of, uh, of the blocks are, like, going, like, more side to side than anything now rather than just straight up the middle or on trap plays. He definitely kind of gets lost in the sauce <laughs> just a little bit there. Like you could see the line moving the pocket or moving, you know, along with the running back and whatnot. And Jaden, he's just not fast enough to like get in there disruptive. You know, he kind of just gets lost in that flow. He's pushing the guy back. But, you know, if it's a stretch play, he's not going to be able to get up in there, you know, unless Unless the edge rusher, you know, really sets the edge and redirects the running back back to him, which does happen from time to time. But even then, I think that is definitely a testament to uh, his agility. You know, he can be a little bit faster here, be a little bit more agile and really like, you know, disrupt plays. And so that's kind of something I really noticed, really noticed there. You know, he just kind of gets lost up in it, especially on those stretch plays, you know, when the line is moving or in passing situations where it's like a, a rollout or a boot, you know, and the line is moving and he, I mean, like he just gets lost up, up in it, you know? Um, and so that's kind of a big problem there. If you're a offensive coordinator and you see that like, Hey, you know, we, they got a dominant defensive tackle, that could cause pressure from the middle, but once you move the pocket like left or right or whatever, like that automatically neutralizes him. That's something that I think a lot of OCs look at. And they're like, okay, that's what we're gonna do. You know, um, I think Valor did that against Lem, which was a very smart, and that kind of showed there. And so for him, I mean, just work on that agility. Continue to work on that hand speed as well. I think he has very powerful hands, like probably stronger than Trace here. But it's it's definitely a little a little slower, just by a little bit. And so if he continues to work on that, you know, get off those blocks quicker and whatnot, so that you know it helps out his uh, lack of agility and he can get to the play faster. That'll definitely hide some of those things there. Mason, what do you think of that evaluation of Jaden Franklin? No, I 100% agree. And yeah, I did watch that Valor game. Uh, like, no, I watched the film from the Valor game, and yeah, anytime they wanted to go away from him, uh, which they did a lot because they know how dominant he is up the middle, um, they just moved the pocket. They would just rush outside, and, you know, they got a dominant rusher over there and some dominant offensive linemen. So, you know, they have, you know, two of our two two of our top five guys, one on each of our top five offensive linemen lists. So, you know, they definitely got some dogs over there on the line. And so they just ran behind him and put him to the outside every time. You know, they run behind Makula a lot over there, or Mikula over there. And, you know, they would just run it right outside of him every time instead of going inside like they normally do. So I definitely agree with the status of he needs to, you know, side-to-side movement. If he could get that down, he'd be he'd be a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. And you see, you saw in that game as well, he went up against Caden Parrish, who was our number two, I think, interior lineman in the state. And, you know, Caden, the biggest thing with him that we criticized him for was that, I mean, it, he's just not as strong as a lot of the other guys. Like, you know, everything else is great, you know, fundamentals and whatnot, gets good leverage. But when it comes to raw strength, he's not there. And so when there were times that Caden Parrish had to straight up go one-on-one with Jaden Franklin, like north and south, Jaden Franklin would dominate him, you know, quite simple. But like you said, when they move the pocket, have Makula as the, you know, lead guy, Parrish, he just has to move and block. And he's perfect at that because his fundamentals are great. You know, you saw when that happened that he definitely got the edge on Jaden Franklin a lot more. You know, would you agree with that? Oh, no, I definitely do. You know, Caden Parrish is probably, there's a reason he's number two on our, on our list for interior linemen. And, you know, he's he's a smaller guy, but his fundamentals are just like perfect. Like every single movement he makes is perfect and he puts a lot of time to that. And that's where, you know, he really dominated over Jaden Franklin in that game. 
So I definitely 100% agree on that one. Yeah, and that's a scheme thing, you know. That's just a scheme thing. But that being said, Jaden Franklin is still a good player. I think he's somebody that a lot of teams could use. And so let me go ahead and talk about his offers here. As of right now, I think I only see two, right? Yep, two that he's gotten. Um, One of his offers he just got yesterday actually on december 29th so congrats to him but let's we'll start with that one he got an offer to black hills uh is it black hills state yeah black hills state you know home of the yellow jackets i know a lot of colorado guys go there i want to say that's a d2 if i'm not mistaken and then he's also received an offer to uh dakota state really interesting which is an naia he got that offer i think that was last week actually last friday so at the time of, um, you know, when this recording's coming out, it would have been exactly a week since he got that first offer. And so the offers for Jaden Franklin are rolling in right now. You saw his first one last week. He literally got one yesterday. And so I just want to ask you, Mason, what do you think about Jaden Franklin? What kind of level of, uh, or I guess, what kind of level can he play on? And what offers do you think he deserves or uh, should take? I think personally, you know, he's a big body. And like you said, you can't get enough of big bodies, especially on the D1 level. I think he could technically play on the D1 level. Uh, Size-wise, you know, his raw talent that he has right now and his raw athleticism, you know, schools eat that up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a D1 take a shot on him. But I think he'd be, you know, he'd come in for a couple plays, go out for a couple plays, and, you know, he'd redshirt probably two years to get him into that where they want him. I think at the D2 level is where he's going to strive. Um, I think he's definitely that guy for a D2 team. I don't think he'll, um, I don't know. I don't think he'll, you know, be a day one starter on the D2 level, but he's pretty close. He could. He's probably going to get some snap times his freshman year as a true freshman if he wants to. Or they could offer him, you know, the redshirt year, and then he could get to that next status and get kind of, brought into that D2 level. Do you agree with that, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. I wanted to ask you, what do you think about him um, potentially getting playing time on special teams, whether that's field goal block or punt block? No, actually, yeah. I kind of like that, you know, the special team stuff. You see it in his film if you watch it. He definitely is on special teams a lot for his squad. And so, like, he might get snaps as a true freshman on any level, you know, because of his size and stuff on that. So, you know, special teams is definitely a way that you can make it into any school and make it into anything, you know. Like, long snappers get drafted into the NFL for just long snapping. So, you know, we could, I could definitely see him, you know, getting snaps probably as a true freshman for that on any level. Uh, all right, say less. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think Jaden Franklin – should probably get a lot of the same offers that Trace Williams uh, is getting. You know, I think Jaden Franklin is just – I like him a little bit more because I think he's stronger straight up and a little bit faster, not by like a mile or anything, but he's definitely faster, right? And so I think – I mean, same deal with him. You know, if he could get an FCS offer, I could definitely see that. I would just probably consider him more of a rotational type of guy, which is fine because most – I, I kind of feel like most D1s rotate their defensive tackles anyways. It's rare that you see any that play them for, like, more than 80% of a game unless they're just absolute studs, you know, and they just kind of keep them out there. And so, plus that also depends on the scheme. So there you go there. But other than that, I think on the D2 level, he would dominate, and he would be the guy for a lot of these teams out there and be important to their defense, just like he was with Regis Jesuit. So... So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Mason, is there anything else you want to add on before we move on? No, I think I think that's all we have to say for this guy. All right, there you go. Um, also, just for the record, most of these guys are from the 5A level, with the exception of one. But we'll talk about all that in honorable mentions uh, later on in the episode, so stay tuned. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and talk about our number three D1 
defensive tackle in the class of 2022 here in the state of Colorado, and that is Legend's very own Luke Sandy. Luke Sandy, the 6'2", 285-pound defensive lineman slash offensive lineman. Uh, I think he's getting looks at both. But for the purposes of this episode, we're going to talk about him at defensive lineman. So with that being said, let me go ahead and talk about a lot of his positives here, the things that we really like, the things that separate separates him from other defensive linemen on that list. So right off the bat, and I'm just going to say it, I think he's a very good overall lineman. You know, he has a lot of moves in his bag. You know, a lot of pass rush moves, block shedding moves. Like, he's somebody that could beat you a couple of different ways. On top of that, he does also get – I mean, he does a good job of getting leverage, and this allows him to manhandle linemen from time to time and move them with some pretty powerful moves there. You know, and so, I mean, when you have that along with, you know, his ability to, I mean, just block shed, basically, you got a, you got a defensive uh, player that – can make a lot of havoc happen. Um, another thing that I really like about him is his hand speed. Compared to at least our number four, number five guy, they're definitely like a step up. Like they're just pretty fast as well. And I already talked about you know, his ability to get leverage, and so that kind of allows him to have a little bit more power as well. You know, when he's hand fighting and whatnot, and this just honestly prevents a lot of blockers from uh, getting their hands on him. I think he's just a very good player with a lot of good skills here. You know, um, he has a lot of power and strength. I don't know if he's as strong as a Jaden Franklin or a Trace Williams. I think I would probably put him maybe just below Trace by just a little bit here. But he definitely has some power, and a lot of that is made up, um, you know, because of his ability to block shed in a multiple in a variety of ways, and you know, and just his ability to get leverage. A lot of the time so he doesn't need to be the most powerful guy straight up but other than that you know i mean he moves pretty well for somebody that's well, what's he at 6'2 285 281 you know whatever he he's in a very good spot there and i mean he he just moves a lot better than trace or Jaden franklin and he doesn't get kind of lost in um you know pocket getting moved or some outside zone type of plays like he'll get up in there because he's a pretty good athlete overall but all together i think he's just a very good overall defensive lineman um that does a lot of things for this legend defense mason is there anything else you want to add on to that before you talk about some areas of improvement here no, I definitely want to say the only thing I want to say is I just want to second the fact that, you know, he gets it done for this defense time and then time out. I think that, you know, he he's definitely a, a leader on that defense, if that makes sense. Like he wants to be the best he can be, even if, you know, it's not always there for him. So he definitely gets it done. But going into some areas of improvement for this guy, um, I think working across the face of a defender when they get position on him is something that he needs to you know kind of strive to get a little bit better at and I think that comes with his hand fighting um I think if his hand fighting was a little better and he could kind of fight off that offensive lineman you know getting the grip on his you know shoulder pads I think he could probably you know move across the face a little bit better um his athleticism is is very good but his speed isn't so, you know, he gets up to speed fast but he's not that fast for you know his size he could probably you know, stride to get a little bit faster. And I think that also comes with his footwork. I see a lot of false steps when he's going through the line. You know, he takes an extra step when he doesn't need to. If you cut that out, you know, you take that 0.5 of a second off of making a play. Um, his awareness is really good. His size is really good. But I think in the pass rush, he has no pass rush moves. He's a pure dominant, like, run blitzer you know he just tries to bull rush every time he has one or two pass rush moves you see him do here or there but not very effectively they're not very clean you know they're not like our edge rushers that we're going to be talking about eventually you know you know he his pass rushing is just not there so i think if he got better at any of those you know or all of those at the same time i feel like this kid could be dominant on any level with his size um, Simon, before I talk about, you know, uh, his outlook, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think Luke Sandy against the run, that's definitely a strength. 
You know, he could definitely pass rush better comparatively than Trace and Jaden Franklin, in my opinion, but definitely could use a little bit more work. He could probably develop a little bit more of a bad glare. You know, I know he does have a couple more moves. Um, I mean, you know, as many moves as you can have as a defensive lineman or defensive tackle, but, you know, that could definitely be improved on. Um, also, I mean, this isn't the biggest deal, but he is kind of a little bit lighter. I know he's listed at 280, 281, you know, but that's definitely a little bit on the lighter side, at least comparatively, um, or at least if you're comparing that against, you know, Jaden Franklin, who's definitely 310, maybe a little bit more, and Trace Williams, who's at 280 as well, but he seems a little bit more built at 280. And so, I mean, like I said, that's the strength part coming into it. I just don't think he's as strong as Trace or Jaden. So, so yeah, but um, go ahead. Go ahead and talk about his outlook here. Talk about his offers and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, so to start, you know, he is a very dominant offensive lineman as well. You know, he was in contention for, you know, the top five list there as well for a tackle. So I don't know how many of his offers are going towards offensive line and how many of them are, you know, purely his defensive line. Uh, but definitely for, you know, Luke here, he has an offer from uh, Valpo University. Um, they're a D1 school. They're, did you say they're FBS, Simon? Nah, they're, they're FCS, FCS. FCS, okay. Yeah, and then Washburn University, which is a D2. Um, I know he has both of those offers as of right now. Um, personally, I think that he is a D2 guy if he goes for defensive line. Um, as of right now, I think at the D-line position, because of his speed and, you know, all of his, you know, fundamentals not being 100% there, D2 is where he'll probably sit if he's going for defensive line. But, you know, at offensive line, he probably, I think that's more of where that Valpo University offer came from. But at the same time, I think that he could probably get it done there on the defensive line too, but they would definitely redshirt him a little while. Do you think that's fair to say, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, he's still on a, a very similar level as Jaden Franklin and Trace Williams. He does do uh, a couple things better, but it's not like he's, like, way above them, you know. And, I, I mean, this is something that we kind of see a lot in recruiting, in case people don't know. But, you know, colleges like recruiting, like, nasty defensive linemen. They also play offensive linemen because you bring a little bit more of that edge, you know, to the offensive side. And so if you're a good defensive lineman, then you could be an even better offensive lineman. I'm sure that's what Valpo sees there. And Valpo's a very good FCS program. I feel like they're almost always in contention for that FCS championship, uh, national championship, pretty much every year. And so, you know, if they if he does commit there, they'll be getting a good one in Luke Sandy. I think, yes, he can probably play uh, – you know, defensive lineman on the next level. I, I would say he could play FCS, you know, as a defensive lineman. Like I said, maybe more of a rotational type of guy. Um, but he's definitely a little bit more developed in some areas. And so he would be closer to kind of breaking out of that rotational role than I would say uh, some of the other guys on this list that we already talked about. But as an offensive lineman, I think he could be developed really well over there as well and be a legitimate, you know, D1 FCS uh, starter maybe in his second or third year. So, yeah. Um, does that feel accurate? <laughs> no, yeah, it definitely does. I think I think he could definitely get it done, you know, no matter where he goes. And I think, you know, as long as he bets on himself and he does it correctly, you know, no matter where he goes, he'll end up, you know, striving for greatness. So, you know, I guess bet on yourself and get it done. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we, you know, take our break and go ahead and talk about our number two? Nah, not too much here. I mean, he's a good defense alignment. A lot of these, these I know these first three guys we talk about, you know, they're kind of really close to each other. I feel like that's real accurate. You know, if one of these guys did one or two things differently, then, you know, um, that could result in a, in a change you know, in the rankings, but they're still pretty close because they're pretty similar players as well. Moving on up, though, I mean, our top two guys, uh, they definitely do a couple things here that significantly separates them from other guys. So, uh, yeah, but coming up next, we'll talk about it.
Welcome back to our top five list for the Playmakers Corner podcast. Our interior lineman with the number two position for us is Bo Doughty, 6'2", 245, out of Arapahoe High School. So I just want to talk about, you know, to start, you know, his size isn't what got him on this list, you know, this high. It's his awareness and his IQ when going through that pocket. He makes the perfect read within a split second and he takes that chance. Um... I think, you know, his IQ is kind of off the charts when it comes to what his intangibles are. And that's also shown in his footwork, which I think is, you know, kind of a bonus that he gets to work with, you know, some great other defensive linemen over there at Arapahoe High School. But, you know, his footwork is there in the run game. He he just he doesn't make the wrong read. You know, on if he's said to, you know, hit this guy in this spot, he hits him in that spot. Um, you know, where he lacks in strength, he definitely makes up for it in his athleticism because he is fast. Um, you know, as he should be, he's only 245 pounds. He should definitely be a lot faster than a lot of these guys on this list, but he definitely does that. Um, I think that for him, you know, he doesn't have the wow factor that some of these other guys have, but I think his wow factor is the fact that he doesn't make the mental errors. And I think that. I think that's fair to say. Don't you think so, Simon? Yeah, no, for sure. He plays very, very good within that system over at Arapaho. You know, he's part of the reason why they were so dominant this last year on defense and consistently got pressure on the quarterback and shut down the run and just completely controlled that line of scrimmage all year. That was the bread and butter. So, no, I definitely have to agree with that there. Um, is there... Is there anything else you want to add on before I talk about his game and uh, some things that he could definitely improve on here? Yeah, the only thing I wanted to add is that, you know, in the hand fighting game and his hand movement and the way he fights off, you know, the offensive lineman's hands, he does like a very, very good job to keep those offensive linemen off him. And I think that kind of comes with, you know, his size because, you know, at that size, abnormal offensive lineman, like a big guy is going to, you know, dominate if they get their hands on you. So him being able to keep their hands off there is pretty, you know, like on another level. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have to say. Is there anything you want to add, Simon? No, yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, uh, for somebody that's a, definitely smaller than all these other guys, um, really everyone on this list, because uh, he's the only one that's not at least 280 pounds, you know. He does a lot of good things here in the interior, you know. It's not like he's completely neutralized uh, when he's up in there. And he's playing on the 5A level in the Centennial League. So you got, like, 300-pound guards and centers uh, all over. You know, I'm thinking about Grandview. I'm thinking about Cherry Creek for sure. Hank Zelinskis over there, you know. So he's going up against these type of dudes, you know, and he's still getting a very good push. And so that's a lot of credit to him. You know, I personally also like his play recognition. You know, I think he's a pretty smart dude out there. Um, I mean, obviously, it's pretty easy to play with two D1 edge rushers who are very good on either side of you. And so, you know, everything is basically funneled up to you. But it still does take some uh I mean, you know, you got to have a good IQ to be a good player. And one play that specifically stands out is where I'm trying to remember who it was against, but I think maybe it was Cherokee Trail, I want to say. But basically, they called a screen pass. You know, all the other linemen, you know, all the edge rushers uh, on the line, they basically rush up, you know, but kind of like you could see it in a, for a split second there. But Bo Dowdy definitely recognizes that, you know, the linemen are pulling away and that it's a screen pass. And so he automatically redirects over to the running back and he shuts that down pretty quickly they're hitting him in rhythm so that that play doesn't go anywhere you know and so that's kind of a big testament to his iq but really with bo dowdy uh the only thing that i'm most concerned about the thing i think he could probably work on the most is his weight you know, and his power as well. I think those go hand in hand because he is only in the 240-245 range now. Right now, I don't think he could play D1 or maybe even high-level D2 as an interior defensive tackle at 240 pounds. I think if he wants to play interior alignment, you know, he has to go to a Juco. But if he goes to a Juco, takes his time there, 
you know, it's, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Outlook real quick here, but I'm just I'm just saying, you know, if he does go to a JUCO, takes his time there, he could be an extremely dominant defensive lineman. And so there's a lot of potential here. You got to realize because he does a lot of great things at 240 that a lot of these other guys do with 40 pounds on him, you know, and he weighs 40 pounds less. And so I think really my only concern is his weight and his strength on the interior. I think maybe he could play some D2, maybe closer to NAIA D3 potentially, you know, because of his power. And I think that's definitely the thing that's, uh, you know, kind of holding him down, you know, but other than that, you know, I think if that's where he wants to go, he could do that, but he could also play maybe defensive end on the next level. And then that doesn't matter at all. But really that's my only thing about, uh, shoot about Bo here. You know, he just, he's just really light, you know, and I think on this level, he did a good enough job where he could still be an impact and whatnot and not just completely get neutralized on the next level. It's just going to be different. You know, you don't have 240 pound defensive tackles out there. Uh, on the FCS level or FBS level. But Mason, what do you think about that before you go ahead and talk about his outlook here? Which I know I already started, but go ahead. No, I 100% agree. My biggest my biggest thing for him is his size. If he could up his size, you know, gain 30, 40 pounds, he could be dominant on this defensive line. You know, as long as he keeps, you know, he doesn't do it unhealthily and lose all his intangibles, you know. Um, but... Going into his outlook, I would definitely say, you know, right now he has no offers. Um, I think he could play at a low-level D2 to start. But personally, I think he would, you know, be better off going to a JUCO for like one or two years, gaining the weight, getting the instruction from that great coaching staff that you're going to get over in a JUCO, and then moving to, you know, he could go D1 at that point. You know, if he wants to play D1 ball, go to a JUCO. If you don't want to play D1 ball and you just want to, you know, play in college, go to a D2. Uh, but you're not going to go to, you know, a CSU Pueblo, you know, those higher up D2s. And that's just because of his size. That's the only thing holding him back. If he wanted to keep at his size, I would say he'd have to move to like outside linebacker, maybe an edge rusher, that type of status to keep that and still play at a high level on the D2 level. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, if he does go to Juco, I think he's an FBS guy coming out. Absolutely. You know, I don't doubt that at all because everything else is great. Hand fighting's great. Speed is great. You know, frame, he's not like the shortest dude. He's still 6'2", you know, 240. That's kind of the base you're working with, and so that's not bad at all. You know, good speed and agility. Um, he gets leverage a lot, which allows him to, you know, kind of – a battle against those uh, bigger dudes out there and so you don't have to worry about strength of that much outside of the weight and so and plus the play recognition is up there as well like for sure and so i think with all those things combined bo uh dowdy here is as i think in my opinion he's up here at number two mostly well not mostly but a lot of it is potential you know he does a lot of great things right though don't get it twisted last year i'm pretty sure we put a we put Spencer Hardy at number one for defense or wait, sorry. We put Spencer Hardy who, you know, was an interior lineman. Um, but you know, when we were doing defensive players, we put them all together. I think he was one of the top interior linemen and he was at number two. He would have been at number two for interior defensive linemen. And he only weighed 220 pounds back then, but he was just like a mini Aaron Donald out there. You know, I see a lot of that in Bo Dowdy, Except, you know, he's bigger than Spencer Hardy by like four or five inches and like 20, 30 pounds, you know. And so, you know, just because you don't weigh the most doesn't mean that you're not going to be like, you know, a little bit higher on this list. Because I do think Bo Dowdy does a lot of things right. Um, outside the weight, which is not like, you know, it's not like the biggest deal. There's a reason he was still getting in there and causing havoc for that Arapaho team and gave a lot of teams trouble, to be honest with you. So there you go. But uh, Mason, do you want to talk about his outlook, though? Kind of. I mean, he doesn't have any offers right now, so Juco's the way, right? 
Yeah, I definitely think Juke goes away. And I did okay. look up that uh, play that you were talking about because I remembered the play you were saying where he did it and it was against Cherokee Trail that he okay. read the screen. But yeah, yeah. no, I think Juke goes definitely the way. Okay, yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of just leave it there. Juke goes definitely the way. Um, not, I mean, you know, if you get a D2 or an FCS offer, definitely consider those. But uh, in our honest opinion, I think if he does take a little bit more time like two or one, two or three years, because you can redshirt on the Juca level. Um, then, you know, he could be in a really good spot and definitely be a force on the next level, whether it's FCS or FBS, and be a very solid starter there. So, yeah, there you go. But coming up next, we're gonna talk about our honorable mentions, you know, because we have a lot, and then we're gonna talk about our number one defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman in the class of 2022. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is episode 96. We're talking about interior defensive linemen, defensive tackles in the class of 2022 in the state of Colorado. And our number one, you know, we're going to kind of hold that for a minute here and talk about some of the honorable mentions here because there were a lot. Like I said, a lot of these guys were 5A, 4A type of dudes. Um, I'm just going to say this right now. Our number one guy did play on the 4A level, uh, which is different from the other guys who played on the 5A level. But there is a reason why he's number one. We'll get to that later. But for now, I just want to shout these guys out because there's a lot of them. Uh, Tommy Tatham from Mead. You know, he was another dude that was definitely in our consideration there, uh, but barely missed out. Will Knight from Durango, he's up there, you know. Um, Tanner Hoffman, he, I don't think he had any film, so we couldn't necessarily look at that. Uh, Layden Wright, Brent Jarvis, Hagen Hofschneider, Joey Pearson from Coronado. And then a couple D1, or not D1, a couple 1A guys here, uh, Mohamed Ibrahim, I think. And then Eli Wysensi from the linemen were some guys that we were considering for interior defensive linemen. There are a lot of them. There's always a lot of them. Um, Oh, sorry. And then Jesse Weber from Harrison. He is another one that we were considering. So a lot of guys in consideration, but just barely missed out on the cut here. But that being said, let me go ahead and talk about the number one rated interior defensive lineman here in the state of Colorado in the class of 2022. And that is no other than Mr. Ridge's very own Justice Laulu, the 6'3", 295-pound defensive lineman slash offensive lineman. I believe he's also a three-star, if I am not mistaken, as well. The only ranked player on this list officially. So there you go. But let me go ahead and talk about Justice here. I've actually... I'm not in goal. I've talked about him a lot whenever talking about Vista Ridge in, in either in the preseason or, you know, talking about him throughout the season and his impact because, you know, this dude is on a whole nother level. You know, yes, he is 6'3", basically 300 pounds, but his athleticism is definitely above and beyond, I would say, a lot of these guys on this list. For somebody at 6'3", 200 pounds, not – or sorry, 6'3", 300 pounds – not only does he have fantastic power and strength like very natural power and strength there you know he moves extremely well his agility is right up there you know like he's not going to get lost in a stretch zone blocking scheme if anything he's going to go ahead and chase that down and blow it up high key if he wanted to he could probably play linebacker on the d2 level and be an absolute monster out there which would be unfair but you know i'm just gonna throw that out there because that's how fast this dude is as well speed wise as well i mean you see him tracking down some guys in the backfield and like geez dude uh when there are plays where a running back or a skill player you know is off to the races there are times where you see justice tracks track them down you know and you gotta remember he's six three three hundred pounds he's a literal lineman tracking down skill players on the 4A level, by the way, which is absolutely insane. And so, uh, I mean, as far as things go that separates him from other guys on this list and the entire state, I mean, at 6'3", 300 pounds, he's an absolute athletic freak. 
You know, you don't see this every day. I mean, you can't teach athleticism and size at the same time. You just can't teach that. You know, and Justice, he, he's right there, you know. I mean, he's somebody that looks like a D1 player and will be a D1 player. And then last but not least, I just want to throw these in there, um, you know, before I throw it over to Mason here. But I would say this year he's definitely worked on his hand fighting, pass rushing, block shedding moves a lot. And it's noticeable. If you look at his junior, sophomore film, I mean – you see him kind of like, I mean, he's more so just overpowering dudes up the middle. And that's fine because he does that anyways. And then tracking guys down. He does that a lot, you know. This year, he's definitely refined some of his moves. And you see that when he hand fights with, you know, offensive linemen and dominates them. You know, I know he did play Palmer Ridge. And so he's going up against the Monument Moving Company. And so I'm sure he had some matchups against Alec Falk and uh, Jackson St. Aubin, both guys who... Well, Alec is our second-rated, I think, tackle in the state of Colorado in the class of 2022. And then Jackson will probably be up there uh, as far as interior offensive linemen goes. But, you know, he battled against them, and he gave them a little bit of trouble out there because he had a little bit more in his bag outside of his just raw athletic ability and size. And so that's definitely something that you love to see. You love to see the improvement there. You love to see him like just going to work at his craft, right, and just getting better there. And so all those things combined, I think Justice really is just scratching the surface of his potential here. I mean, obviously, he's a big dude who's athletic, but now he's uh, developing a little bit of a bag here, and that is definitely something to look out for. Mason, is there anything you want to add on here before you talk about his areas of improvement? Yeah, I did want to add a couple things, man. Uh, I just wanted to say that he takes amazing angles. Like, you don't see that a lot in a lot of defensive linemen where they'll take an angle and they'll cut, like, the offensive line and stuff in half to try and, like, get flat down the line. And he just – he's just a dog. He has, like – he's a first step every time. is a downhill with force. He blows people off the line. He has quick hands. He has a lot of moves. Speed, like power rush moves but going into some areas of improvement like you said he's getting a lot better at all of his stuff you know but i think his biggest his biggest flaw for me what i saw was his uh you know his pass rush moves just he didn't have a lot in his bag but he's definitely getting better because you know i've watched his junior film and he didn't have barely any and now he has some so he's definitely putting in the work and he knows what he needs to work on but I wanted to throw out a couple of his statistics. You know, he has 30 solo tackles, one fumble recovery, uh, 78 total tackles. And that's all that Vista Ridge has put in. But if you look at his sacks, he has five sacks on the year. As an interior defensive lineman, that's a, a decent amount. And his tackles, just solo tackles is 30, 48 uh, assists, 78 total tackles. Like this dude gets to the ball every time and you know on that defensive line you know that's kind of what you need you need a like a dog like that but yeah working on just his you know his i guess i guess it comes with his hands his hand fighting being able to you know dip and rip a little smoother you know go over the top a little smoother use those pass rush moves that you know he'll learn it just takes time um he that's all i really have to say is there anything you have to add before i talk outlook for this guy no, not too much. I would definitely agree. I think Justice, I mean, um, look, first off, I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory here. I got, I got to give a little bit of a backstory here um, because I've known about Justice since like, well, since like last year. And that's because I used to be a PE teacher over at Falcon Middle School and Justice actually went there. And so my teaching partner, Coach Cates, was very familiar with him. I actually got to teach Justice's little sister, um, by the way. So there you go. Back when she was in the sixth grade last year, she was online, though. So 
But other than that, you know, I knew a lot about justice there. Like I, <laughs> my old teaching partner would tell me a lot of stories about him, how great of a dude he was. So that's definitely a, a plus to, you know, his character and, you know, his recruitment, obviously, but how great of a dude he was and how dominant of an athlete he was as well. Because I also knew his wrestling coach, uh, Coach Grimaldo, uh, rest in peace, he did pass away earlier this year. But, you know, Coach G would just talk about like, man, justice he would just flip a boy over and just sit on him, and that's it. That's the match. That's the wrestling match. <laughs> that's it, you know. And so for a lot of Justice's like, I guess athletic career up until this year, I mean, he's definitely been able to get by by just being a dominant like big dude, you know. Like, um, like I, I remember like his rest his old wrestling coach used to say he had to cut down to 280 back in middle school. Like, just think about that for a minute. Like, he had to cut down to 280 after football season, you know, to get in shape for wrestling. And so, you know, with that being said, I could definitely imagine that Justice definitely got by on a lot of his athletic ability, you know, for a lot of his career. But more recently, he's been developing a lot of little things, which is awesome because that's what you love to see. You know, you have to be good at a lot of the little things if you want to make it to the next level, whether it's making it to the next level as a college uh, athlete or as a potential pro. And, you know, a lot of the guys at Falcon uh, Middle School, you know, still potentially sees Justice as like, hey, if anybody's going pro, it'd be Justice Laulu. So just going to throw all that out there. He is a raw athlete, but he's getting a lot better and he does have a good work ethic, um, you know, on his shoulders over there. Um, also, I'm just going to throw this out there before we get into Outlook as well. He might play offensive lineman on the next level, which I could see as well. You know, if you listen to what I said earlier about colleges loving to recruit nasty defensive linemen to play on their O-line, you know, he definitely fits that bill. But uh, Mason, do you want to talk about uh, where he has committed to? Because I think he's the only one on this list that's committed uh, right now, he signed on early signing day and whatnot. And talk about what his outlook looks like from there. Yeah, no, I can definitely talk about that. Um, he is the only one on this list that is committed, and he put 100% committed just the other day on his to Eastern Washington. Um, which, if I'm correct, Simon, that's the Big Sky Conference. Yes, sir. They um, they basically almost always run the Big Sky. That's where Cooper Cup is from. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, he's going to a good school over there, like a definitely a good school over there. And, you know, personally for me, you know, I think that he's going to not start day one. You know, he is going to a very good school. Um, I think that he probably gets redshirted his freshman year and they're going to decide whether or not right then and there, they're going to decide offensive or defensive line for him. Cause I think he could play either side of the ball with his size and speed. Then he's going to hone in on the craft, and I feel like he gets snaps his second year, third year he starts. What do you think, Simon? Does sound about right? No, I definitely agree with that. Eastern Washington, I mean, they, they always recruit really well, especially from that Washington area where there is a lot of pretty solid defensive linemen out there. I'm not even going to lie. Like, just big dudes like Justice. Um, and so, I mean, and, but in general, they always recruit well. You know, there's a reason they have dominated the Big Sky a lot throughout this year. You know, like they're they're the real deal. They're high key a team that could beat. You know, they they could they could beat down on a lot of. Uh, I would say on a, on a lot of FBS team. Actually, did they beat Washington UW? I think they did. Here, I'll look real quick. No, go go ahead and look at that. And so. You know, with that being said, I mean, you know, I, I would have to agree with that, you know. And by the way, like it's not like you have to play all four years of college. You're still on scholarship, so it's fine, you know. But go ahead and take that retro year, you know, develop, right? Not only your game, but also, I mean, you're in college now. So get used to your college classes. Um, take as many of the easy ones as you can just so you get that out of the way so that you have less college classes to take while you are, uh, you know, getting actual playing time. And then you kind of go from there, right? And so, man, UNC really made no effort to get justice, though, huh? 
Yeah, I guess they didn't, and they really should have, because, you know, this guy is going to a school that beat UNLV, Central Washington, Western Illinois. Uh, then they went and won Southern uh, Utah, Montana State. They beat UNC, 63-17. Idaho, Weber State, Montana State, they lost to. And then they beat UC Davis, Portland State, Northern Iowa, and then lost to uh, Montana in the FCS second round of playoffs. How bad did they lose to Montana State by? I'm just wondering. Montana State, 23-20. Dang, Montana State's in the FCS National Championship, by the way. So, yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't close. Yeah, no, Eastern Washington's good. Justice is just the type of guy to go to Eastern Washington to. I, I remember uh, watching plenty of UNC Eastern Washington games and um, would love, would love, to have some of those players come to UNC, but uh, I don't know. I guess McCaffrey doesn't recruit that far south. Also, their defensive coordinator listens to this sub podcast, so I don't know how he missed out on Justice here. Um, but, you know, regardless, congrats to Justice. He's going to go to a program that has a legitimate shot at going to the national championship probably all four years he's there, four or five years, you know, if he redshirts and whatnot. So he's going to have a chance to you know, potentially, you know, get some national, a national spotlight. I mean, they already have one, but you know, a bigger one on that next level in the playoffs and whatnot. And I think he's just the type of guy to fit that Eastern Washington culture over there. If I'm being completely honest with you, like very tough defense and just like gritty, hard hitting type of dudes, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no hurry to get onto the field. You'll get there when you get there. You know, just keep continue to work, work on the little things because that's always what's gonna matter. You know, and uh, and yeah, there you go. Justice Laulu, our number one interior defensive lineman in the class of 2022 here in the state of Colorado from Vista Ridge High School. Uh, Mason, anything else you want to add on before we kind of wrap this thing up? No, all I want to say is that uh, I think every single one of these guys is gonna do great at the next level and again if they have any of them want to come on and say you know what's up or have any questions about how we break them down you know i can show them the list whatever they want to look at and i definitely think that all of these guys are on that next level and it's well i'm gonna be happy to you know look at like a justice laula in a couple years and see what he's doing up there at you know eastern washington yeah do you think he's an nfl guy i mean if he hones in on on his craft and does it correctly, like like you said, Cooper Cup came from Eastern Washington and yes. went to the NFL. So, you know, I'm not going to take it out of the page. And I think it also, you know, I think I think it really depends if they put him on offensive or defensive line and okay. if he hones in correctly. Okay, fair enough. I don't doubt that he will, you know, by the way, because he's going to need to if he wants to start. So there you go. But all right, fair enough. All right, well, with that being said, I'm just going to go over our top five list right here. At number five, Trace Williams Mitchell from Columbine. At number four, Jaden Franklin from Regis Jesuit. At number three, Luke Sandy from Legend High School. At number two, Bo Dowdy from Arapahoe High School. And then our number one interior defensive lineman in the class of 2022 is Justice Laulu uh, from Vista Ridge High School here in the Springs. Represents. So there you go. But if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much for supporting us. We appreciate all the support from all of our fans. This will be our last podcast that we are dropping in the year of 2021 because we're literally dropping it tomorrow, the 31st. So happy New Year's from me and Mason and, you know, I guess Cody. But from me and Mason primarily, you know, uh, thank you so much for rocking with us, not only on this episode and, you know, this last season, but, you know, throughout this last year. You know, we've grown so much, and so we're super appreciative of that. You know, going into 2022, we have a lot of big, big plans ahead. We're looking to stream and whatnot, have a little bit more face-to-face interaction. Um, well, it would be online, but, you know, live uh, interactions. So oh, there you go. And, uh, you know, a lot of big plans for Colorado football and women's flag football. Keep an eye out for that. That season's uh, just around the corner here. Um, but that being said, go ahead and, you know, continue to follow us, show us some support on all of our social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, YouTube as well at Playmakers Corner. 
you know, go ahead and drop us some good ratings there and some good reviews. We appreciate that. And, you know, speaking of good reviews, you know, give us some good ones on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. We appreciate those. So, uh, so yeah. But with that being said, I have been your co-host, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And I am your other co-host, Mason Austin. And peace. Peace.